When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rep. Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. And uh, we are coming to you guys just a couple hours removed from an action-packed, literally action-packed first day of joint training camp practices between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Jets. We'll get you all the latest updates from that and more over the next 45 minutes to an hour. But before we do that, Evan, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Um, obviously, you know, we got another week of football coming up here. So, uh, yeah, I, I hate to start the show every single time like that. But, like, it's, you know, football's back. You're starting to get into the, the swing of things more and more. You know, I think in the first preseason game, you're still, like, dipping your feet a little bit. But now we're, we're starting to get into, like, you know, practice every day and, like, injuries to cover and storylines and this and that. So, like, it's, it's always fun. Yeah, it's definitely an exciting time of the year as you get back into the groove of things. And, uh, unfortunately, today, before we get into any of the fireworks, we got to talk about an injury update. Pretty substantial injury update for our man, Russell Gage, who seemingly cannot catch a break. Uh, went down in practice today with a non-contact injury, and immediately everybody was like, hey, this is pretty serious. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best. We wish him a speedy recovery. So that leads everyone to believe that more than likely this is going to be a season-ending injury. For a guy that played through the entire season last year, plagued with injuries. Um, you know, we talked about the potential upside. The Bucks brought in Russell Gage uh, going into last offseason, signed him to a three-year deal worth $10 million a year, which is pretty pricey for a number three wide receiver on, on the surface level of things. But uh, the upside that this guy had coming from Atlanta was something a lot of people held out hope for, including myself. Uh, I have given Russell Gage the benefit of the doubt, and I really thought this was going to be a productive year for him to at least look like the player that he used to, or at least, you know, some semblance of the guy that we signed from Atlanta. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that'll be the case for him. Just a bad, bad break. Uh, I mean, there was a, a Buccaneer staff member who said, quote, they heard it happen, which is just awful. So obviously, we wish him a speedy recovery. But for the Bucks now, all eyes are going to shift on the wide receiver room because when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are healthy, it's great. But a problem for this wide receiver room the last couple of years has been the drop-off in talent 
uh, after Chris Godwin at wide receiver too. So we talked a lot after the first preseason game about guys like Devin Tompkins, Trey Palmer playing well and stepping up. Well, their job just got that much more important throughout the uh, next few weeks here. Yeah, no, it definitely has. And uh, just like you said, tough, tough thing for Gage and uh, a big hole that the Buccaneers now have to fill. I'm going to go not really on a on a rant, but kind of just like something I got to I just got to say, like, where is like the compassion gone in, in, in sports? Because all I've been seeing is, well, he's a waste of money, this and that, this and that. Do you think he wanted to get hurt? Like, th- this is his life. He was in tears on, on the car. Like, I just, these people are, are humans, too. And the first reaction by everybody is, what a waste of money. This was a, this was a bust. Yeah, see, I, I told all you guys. Why? Why do you have to have that, that reaction? Like, just be, be a human first and put yourself in his shoes. He, this is his job. He can no longer do his job for a year now. Like, and, and his time in Tampa Bay may be over. Like, like that, that may be all she wrote for Russell Gage. Did the deal pan out? No. Like, it, it hasn't panned out. You can acknowledge that. But, like, the first thing I'm seeing is, is people just reacting that way. And I, I just don't think it's right. So, it's a, it's a gruesome injury. It's the worst injury you can have. And it just, it, it, it sucks. And there's just, like zero compassion. And I don't, and I think it's sort of this thing on social media and sports fans nowadays are much more aware of contracts. They're much more aware of, of deals and pay cuts and this and what players make and what, because you have access to all that stuff now, you know, much 30 years ago, yeah, did. much more transparent than it's ever been in the history of the NFL. Right. Like 30 years ago, you didn't have access as much access to what, you know, freaking Derek Brooks was making, you know, yearly. But like nowadays people look at it not as a player, not as a human, but as a as like an object. Like, oh, you're costing this much. You're not even on the field. Just have a little bit of compassion. Like it's a tough injury for Gage. It's tough for the team. And they're going to have to move on, obviously. But like just have a little bit of compassion for the guy. That, that That's all I'm saying. I agree. Um, I think most people do know how to generally split uh, the player from the game, but unfortunately for the people who don't know how to do that, that's what you get. But definitely compassion is what we're sending here from the Cannon Fire podcast to Russell Gage. Hope he recovers. And, uh, you know, as unlikely as it may seem at this very moment, I would like to see him suit up as a Buccaneer once again. Uh, You never know. Still has another year left on that contract. So we'll see if he can play at least one full season uh, while he is under contract for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we get into the details of joint practice, I wanted to bring up some of those wide receivers we had mentioned. Devin Tompkins been in the mix. Trey Palmer uh, from Nebraska. Dave Moore, obviously. I think the only experienced option the Bucks have left when you look at wide receiver depth, played a little bit under Dave Canales in Seattle. So those are the top three names at least two of those guys are really going to have to step up and and not play beyond their means, but definitely play harder than they had planned to over the next couple of weeks because it seems like right now we're going into the uh, season with an extra wide receiver spot now open. Yeah, and, and the, everybody talks about, oh, add a veteran, add a veteran. Look, a, a few things. One, David Moore could qualify as that veteran. Like he's been in the NFL for a few years now. Like, he's been in the NFL, I think, for five or six seasons. So like he would qualify as that veteran. And two, uh, this isn't the Tom Brady era anymore. And 
they they don't have any money. Like, like, like they don't have any cash space. Like Jarvis Landry's out there. Who on this Bucks team is convincing Jarvis Landry to play for the minimum? Like it, Tom Brady isn't here anymore. Like it's just that it's not going to happen. Oh, you don't think right? David Baker is still cool? <laughs> like <okay. laughs> maybe not for the veteran minimum. Like these guys are going to want to get paid. And, and also, like I think the Bucks like their group. You know, I I, I do. I I think the Bucks like their group. And I I've been impressed with Trey Palmer. Obviously, he had the big preseason game. He had a huge day today at, at the joint practice. Uh, beat Sauce Gardner for like a sixty-yard touchdown. Really, already stepping up in the absence of Russell Gage. So, honestly, and it's well, kind of not really funny, but maybe I, ironic. I actually had the thought the other night. I was like, I was thinking about Trey Palmer and, and stuff, and I was like, you know. I was like, this is probably going to be gauged the last year with the team. So, like, for the future, like, I think the three top three wide receivers are going to be Godwin, Evans, and like Palmer, or whatever Evans got, whatever. I wouldn't put them in order, but like, I think those could be the future top three receivers. And here we are, and it could be right now. Um, it could end up being like literally this season. So I do think a guy like Trey Palmer is going to step up. A guy like David Moore is going to have to step up. Uh, Devin Tompkins, maybe. So it opens the door for, you know, if, if you didn't think the Bucks were going to carry seven wide receivers, it opens that door for maybe a guy like Raheem Jarrett. If he can get on the field, it opens the door for a guy like Cade Warner, maybe if he can get on the you know field and be productive. It's um, it does open the door for a few of those guys if they do still decide to keep six. So I, I am interested to see it. I think Trey Palmer and David Moore. I think their spots are pretty much locked in now, like especially with this with this news. It's not official official, but like all signs point to, yeah, like Russell Gage is not going to be coming back this season. So uh, big opportunity for, for Trey Palmer and David Moore for sure. Yeah, we spoke after the first preseason game that Trey Palmer touched down. They interviewed him post game. And one of the things that he said is that the moment was not too big for him, right? The bright lights being on a stadium full of people, even opposing fans being as loud as they were. Uh, it was not too big for him. He was able to step up into the moment and perform. And that's something else we were going to be looking at as far as these joint practices go. The the level of competition that you play day to day, the intensity factor is going to be cranked up a notch. And we'll talk about that here in a second as well. But a good quote from this week, uh, our, our good buddy Tampa Bay Trey pointed it out on Twitter and I thought it was pretty good here. Uh, Bucks wide receiver Trey Palmer said he's not concerned about going up against Sauce Gardner in practice this week. Says it's, quote, no name, no face. And then today at practice, huge deep ball completion for 60-plus yards and a touchdown from Kyle Trask to Trey Palmer. He beat Sauce Gardner in coverage on the play. Mike Evans also came out and said today is the best day he has ever seen Trey Palmer have at practice. Uh, So a lot of high praise for the kid that already is off to a great start. Telling you, like Trey Palmer was my favorite draft pick from that draft class. Like I didn't think he had any business being available in the sixth round, and when the Bucks were able to get him, and like they traded up for him, so like they clearly believed in him too. I think he's good, man. Like I think you're gonna see growing pains if he does play a lot this year, but I think he's good. Like I, I, I just, I don't think I don't know if he's gonna be a superstar, but like 
this guy, you, what you were going to ask him to do as a third wide receiver, I definitely think he'd be able to handle it like right away. So I'm, he's one of the players again. Like I am pretty curious and excited to watch for on Saturday because I'm just now that, you know, the gauge news by Saturday, it's going to be official. Yeah. Uh, and like the gauge news, like Trey Palmer's going to basically know like his, what role is at stake here. And now maybe he can get comfortable in that spot. So, um, I, I am very, very, I was before training camp. I was excited to see him. And now, you know, as the games go on and stuff, I'm just, yeah, I'm getting more and more excited about Trey Palmer for sure. Absolutely. And if uh, nothing else gets you excited for football this week, I think all the fights coming out of joint training camp is going to do you some a little bit. We, we called it earlier this week. One of my favorite things about joint practices this time of year, not only is it just God awful hot outside, even all the way up in New York, but you know, you get tired of facing the same guys in practice every single day. And so when you get a new face in front of you, it's almost like everyone goes a little bit harder to maybe prove a point. And uh, we certainly saw that on full display today. It was such an action packed day that not only did Levante David get in two separate fights, but Anthony Nelson had a pick six. When's the last time you seen Anthony Nelson have a pick six at practice? It was, did you did you see the video? Yeah, of the pick six. Yeah, yeah. it's just thrown right to <laughs> a nice throw, Zach. <laughs> yeah, it, it was beautiful. So, uh, I mean, before Levante David even got involved, I think there were three or four skirmishes between the Bucks and the Jets. One of them happened during the special teams period. A couple more happened during 11 on 11. I think even, you know, warm up stretches, these guys were out there chipping at each other. Um, Devin White got chippy with an O-lineman. As I mentioned, Levante David got himself in a fight. Uh, big time fight between Levante David and Jets O lineman Billy Turner after ta- uh, David got a tackle for loss. Both were aggressively pushing each other as other teammates got involved. And it's interesting because you do not see that from Levante David very much. We 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 talked more about over the years he's taken on this role as a vocal leader. And uh, you know Ryan Smith was a guy who came on here and said before that he is fit into that role pretty well and leads by example, but he got out there and he got busy. I mean, there have been a lot of fight-filled practices before. Uh, What, a couple years ago, we had Antonio Brown full-on punch a guy and make national headlines that day over at training camp. Um, Another scuffle after that, another fight, Josh Hayes and a Jets wide receiver tried to wrestle each other down to the ground. Uh, Another big scuffle after that, and then another fight for Levante David. It was with cornerback Brandon Eccles. Apparently, David was enraged. He was held back by Ryan Neal and Will Golston. Um, some good sportsmanship here and there between Aaron Rodgers and Devin White. That was a highlight. But, I mean, you want to talk about an intense practice. This is uh, this has probably been probably uh, probably been a nice change of speed for some of the new guys on the roster. But it was a very eventful day out there. Well, the funny thing to me is that um, the reason it was supposed to be the joint practices were supposed to be two days, supposed to be today and tomorrow. And one of the reasons the Jets cited for canceling tomorrow's practice, it's the Bucks are still going to practice and the Jets will practice. They just won't practice together. is that the jet said that normally on the second day of these joint practices is when things start to get chippy. Well, the, they just they decided since they didn't have a second day, they were just going to beat the crap out of each other on the first day, I guess. So, you got to hit your club. Uh, yeah, and now, now they're going to take it out on each other on, on Saturday, which, you know, it's, it's always funny to me. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's because a game is more organized, but you don't see these skirmishes in games. Right. You hear about it like you would if they had a joint practice tomorrow. You'd hear like, oh, yeah, there's three more fights today. 
then on Saturday, there, there's going to be nothing. Like, it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, you can get penalized during a game, and maybe you, you, you hold, you know, you restrain yourself. I don't know. But it's always funny to me. I'm like, you hear all these joint practices and all these fights, and then when it comes to the actual game and you can legit hit somebody, nothing happens. It, it's always very funny to me. Yeah. Uh, there was another skirmish that we forgot to report. Luke Gedeke and Jermaine Johnson got into it. And in an update that I'm just seeing now, not sure if we've heard anything else from it, uh, but Robert Hainsey also walked off to a separate field with yeah. a trainer. So for the Bucks already, at this point, expecting to go into the season with a second-string center and Robert Hainsey, it's not a great look. Um, where are we at with the Ryan Jensen deal? I know we spoke on that a little bit last time we talked to you guys, but... Haven't got any concrete updates from him. Obviously, no practice for him this week. And there's more and more people reporting that the expectation is the Bucks are going to go into the regular season without him out there. So with Hainsey being hurt today, obviously not a great sign. And, and that uh, that offensive line depth, specifically at center, starts to become even more of a question mark. Yeah, I'm... Uh, and we got a super chat. I'll get to that in just a minute. But... Um... I'm starting to sound the alarm on the Ryan Jensen thing. It just, it seems like he's going backwards. I, I had, and you can, you know, August 16th right now, clip it, whatever. I have my doubts on whether we're going to see Ryan Jensen or not this year or, or whether we'll see Ryan Jensen ever play for the Buccaneers again. Like I, I, I'm starting to have serious doubts. I, I really am. It's it's scary because like they're locked in for next year on this contract, um, and it's not a cheap contract. But it's just that's not the way you wanted things to trend. And right now, I don't have any inside information or anything on that. But my gut feeling is like you're not going to be seeing him for a long time. I, I just I'm starting to really get concerned that his like career is in jeopardy here. You know, as much as I hate to say it, it gives me shades of of what happened to Todd Gurley, how it was just kind of a I don't even know if this is the same thing as what's going on with Jensen, but it was almost well, like and a Gurley slow, never it never like had a, de- a major injury like Jensen did, though. Yeah, but it was like a degeneration like it it kind of just wore him down. And, and I don't know what it is, but. Like you said, it feels like he is going in the wrong direction because there was a little bit of padded activity. Now, again, no full practice for Jensen, no 11 on 11 activity since camp has started. But he has been out there in pads doing individual drills, doing one on ones. But ever since he left, he has not. Yeah, been no, he's not. Has, yeah. has not has not been out there outside of street clothes. Uh, has barely even been doing any one-on-one work if he is out there in just regular clothes. So, like you said, it doesn't feel great, and and it it I start to get this feeling that, uh, I don't know. I mean, even if he had elected to have the surgery, I know a lot of people are going to be hung up on that, and that's the biggest thing is that everyone's going to say, "Well, he should have had the surgery. He would have been back, and he would have been fine by now if he had the surgery." I don't know if that's the case. Mm-hmm. There is a guy that I see online who claims he has sources, more than likely Ryan Jensen's dad, um, but he claims he has sources, and he says that electing for surgery probably would have ended Ryan's career, and the natural rehabilitation route that he took was probably for the better. But, mm-hmm. again, the other question that gets begged is how much did that playoff game against Dallas affect him? 
Should he have even come back to play? Is that what ended his career prematurely? You know, because it obviously meant the world to Ryan Jensen to play in Tom Brady's final game. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense for people to see him sit on the sideline for a year, playing the biggest game of the year. And then once another eight months goes by, he's taken a step back from where he was during that playoff game. Right. Yeah, it's uh it's it's getting a little bit worrisome. So we have, do have a five hour super chat from Jonas Goria. Thank you very much. Uh, trying to get us some Wendy's today. Uh, Gage's body gave up on him. It stings for the Bucks, but it's more unfortunate than he being bad. Wishing him the best as well. Yeah, I mean that's you know, th- th- that's the thing. It's you know, and everybody's like, oh, it was definitely you know, it's, it was a waste of money and this and that. That's okay. And like the, the point isn't anything about football. Like it's, it's not anything about football. It's just like, can we take a minute and just feel for the guy first before we're going to start trashing his contract, which case he had no control over. Like he had no, you know, like he didn't demand the bucks to give him that contract. If that's the like, logic we want to have approaching uh Russell Gage and his contract situation, then let's take it all out on Tom Brady for leaving us with 40, 40 million. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I mean, yeah, if, I don't it, know. you know, you can't have one thing and not have the other. If that's the yeah, way people but, are going to, but yeah, but as, as for Jensen and then obviously, yeah, Hainsey don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see if he practices tomorrow. Uh, if he, you know, doesn't practice tomorrow, I have to wait and see if he plays on Saturday. I don't think they have practice on Friday. So with, with the game on Saturday, I don't think they would have practice on Friday. So, uh, we'll have to wait and see, but it's, I mean, Nick Leverett's been getting work at center during training camp and even during the first preseason game. So he's gotten some work there, but definitely a, a situation worth monitoring there. 100%. And and I hate to say it because it, it does sound awful. Uh, but when you talk about some of the injuries that we have just discussed, Russell Gage, obviously, but Ryan Jensen, I think, could maybe soon be put in that category. Listen, I, I don't want to doubt the guy because I don't think anyone expected him to suit up and play at all last year. And he did. And hats off to him uh, because I don't think his presence really made a difference in whether the Bucks were going to win or lose that playoff game. Mm. But I'm glad that he got to play. Right. I think he's just at that age, man, where it's not like this knee is going to be better than it was before the initial injury. No, uh, he's, he's, he's what, 33 years old. That's a, That's a ripe age for an NFL lineman, an NFL offensive lineman, an NFL center, uh, and especially an NFL center. That's as physical as Ryan Jensen is, you know, his yeah, he, play he, style. He, he, he's, he's currently 32. So 32 year old that just had, they didn't call it that, but basically almost a torn ACL, I guess. It wasn't completely a torn ACL because he wouldn't have been able to come back at all. Yeah. But like they never really called it anything, which was honestly one of the weirdest injuries I can remember. Um, not good though. And now like I said, he's just, he's going backwards. So definitely worth monitoring the center position for this season, but then also the future, because like they may have to be finding a, a new center here, uh, even with Ryan Jensen's cap it on the books for the next year. Yeah. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, 
Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So we wanted to preview the game on Saturday between the Bucks and the Jets. Not going to spend too much time talking about the Jets offense, but I did want to talk about the quarterback who is expected to start this game. That is Kyle Trask, who, as we mentioned, hit a 60-plus yard touchdown pass to Trey Palmer over Sauce Gardner. So he's got to be feeling pretty good today. But we know in the past that a really good week of practice has not done Trask a lot of favors. So what are your expectations for him headed into this game? Seems like he'll have most of the same supporting cast he had last time. Maybe a couple of better receivers and maybe a better pick at running back. But for the most part, same offensive line, most of the same receivers, And if they rotate while he's in the game, probably the same two running backs he had the week before. Uh, But what do you think? Can he go out there and and change some people's minds? I don't know. I, I just think he had all this positive momentum built up from the, from the practices. Right. And then you go out in Pittsburgh versus Pittsburgh. I mean, and Mayfield looks good. And then you come in and, it looks like every other preseason. Looks like now, what people looks like what people expected. Yeah. Looks like what people were expecting. So I mean the offensive line didn't do him any favors. Like the offensive line was bad. He didn't have much time. Like it, it, they didn't do him any favors at all. But it's yeah, it's starting to seem like okay, like we tried to make like this storyline, like, oh, Trask is playing better, like but in reality, it was always like, yeah, Mayfield's going to do well. And like, and I, I had read somewhere that like, apparently in the past preseasons, Mayfield has done pretty well. Also, just something about it, like it just plays well in the preseason. It's great for him. Like when you're in a quarterback competition, like playing well in the preseason is great news. Um, so as far as Trask goes, I- I'm interested to see. Okay, so he's. Todd Bowles has not confirmed this, but that was the rumor. You know, Pewter reports J.C. Allen reported that Mayfield was going to start with with the starters in Pittsburgh, and then he was right about that. And he also said that Kyle Trask would start the second game with the starters. So we'll see if he's right about that one as well. And I'm curious to see what. Okay, what starters are there? Is there going to be more? Are you going to have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin out there, Kate Otten, you know, Rashad White, maybe Tristan Wirfs? Like, what? What's our definition of starter? Does it matter that they didn't have two days of joint practices? That they only had one because I know those teams really value those joint practices a lot more than the actual preseason games. So now that you had one less, do you maybe throw out a few more starters that you otherwise wouldn't have or weren't planning on? So I'm curious to see. Okay. He's out there with the ones. What exactly does the ones, what does that entail? So I'm curious to see what his supporting cast is going to look like. And yeah, this is his last chance. Like, like, like I mean, this is it. If he goes out there and if Baker, has, if has, Baker out has the same, it, it, it doesn't matter yeah. if Baker outplays him. If, if Baker could be bad, but if Trask is bad, guess what? Guess who's still in the lead? If, if it's even, if it's even on week two, 
Baker's in the currently in the lead, so he's going to stay in the lead. And I think before that third preseason game, I th- this is just my gut feeling that the Buccaneers are going to announce a starting quarterback. I, I think they're going to do that before the third preseason game. So it's do or die time for Kyle Trask right now. I mean, it, it really is. He needs to go out there and just play well. Don't worry about what Baker's going to do. Just worry about yourself and go go out there and play well. And I am, like I said, I'm still curious to see what his supporting cast is, specifically on the offensive line, because I think having a guy like Worfs out there would be would help. But at the same time, do you want to risk injury? So uh, it's a slippery slope, and I am I'm curious to see him yet again, and I'm curious to see Mayfield again. So can, can he can he replicate his performance again? Because you know, being the we saw Trask got more work than Mayfield did. So I would imagine that it'd be almost the same. I imagine that Mayfield now is going to get more work than Trask did than Trask does. I mean, on, on Saturday. So that's going to be interesting to see. And yeah, it, it feels like we're coming to a head though with this quarterback battle. And it feels like this is Kyle Trask last shot to really be like, Hey, no, this is still a competition or is it going to be like, by the end of Saturday night, we're going to know. Like, you're just going to know. Like, oh, like, maybe this is going to be close. Or it's like, yeah, it's Baker. Like, you're just you're going to know, and we'll see what happens. I agree. And in, in, in the fact that by the end of the second preseason game, I think we're going to have a pretty good feeling of who the Bucks will name QB1. Also, just like you said, I agree that it'll happen before the third preseason game. Now, a point that I had heard uh, this week, and I wanted to bring it up because I thought it was a pretty good example I know that for the last two weeks we have kind of beat the drum that like hey this is an open quarterback competition it is not a foregone conclusion which is technically correct because the Bucks have not named a quarterback but I think I think the first game of the preseason may have done our buddy Kyle in but former Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback I'm sorry offensive lineman not quarterback uh, Ian Beckles chimed in on his podcast this week and basically said uh, you know, Baker's going to start because at this point it makes sense. It just makes sense. It makes the most sense. Uh, even going back to before the open quarterback competition discussion we were having on this show, it made sense. Uh, because if you're the Bucks and you're moving on from Tom Brady and you come into this season, if Kyle Trask is your starter week one, and for four weeks in a row he plays like garbage, is it going to make people feel much better to get Baker Mayfield as yeah. kind of a consolidation gift that's, week four, that's, week five? Yeah. You know, if Baker, if Baker goes out there and he proves his doubters correct and he yeah. plays like crap, you can put Trask in. You can put Trask in and you can feel mm-hmm. better about writing that all the way to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, from an optics perspective, from, I, I guess, a game plan perspective, uh, but from a perspective to where the fan base can collectively buy in, I think if Kyle Trask is going to get any meaningful playing time, unfortunately, for the first time in his NFL career, it's going to have to come from taking someone's job, whether that's through injury or Baker just playing his way out of the starting job. I I think as of right now, that's the only chance Trask has to to be the starter of this Bucks team. Well, and and here's and here's a big reason why. Okay. I, 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 the Bucks really like Todd Bowles, but I have to imagine, I don't think it's seat's hot, but I think Todd Bowles' seat is warm. If you're entering the season on the warm seat, it can get pretty hot pretty quick. And 
are you going to really roll with a guy who's never had an NFL start? Never had a start in his NFL career in a regular season. Or are you going to go with the former number one overall pick? Yes, he's had his struggles and stuff, but there's just, there's more experience there. There's less risk for Todd Bowles to do that. And just like you said, and I've thought about that too, like it's much easier to go from Baker Mayfield to Kyle Trask rather than Kyle Trask to Baker Mayfield. It's just, it's a completely different dynamic. It would be a completely different, like, tone shift because if Kyle Trask starts, they go 0-3. You decide to make a quarterback change. Okay, you bench the young guy for the the journeyman who couldn't beat out the young guy to begin with. I I think, yeah, Todd Bowles' position, he has to be like, I got to start Baker. Like, I, I have to because if I don't, things could get really bad really quick if things with Trask don't pan out because you could always play that card, right? of week eight comes around. No Glazers don't fire me yet. We're going to put Trask in and see how he does. If Trask is already the starter, they're going to be like, there's nothing else for you to play. So I I do think that's another big reason. Todd Bowles knows that there's going to be pressure on him this coming season that he has to, I'm not saying he has to make the playoffs or has to win 10 games, but like you got to be competitive. Like if he gets if the Bucks get four or five wins, I have a hard time seeing him come back. Like I think he needs at least six to come back, you know, and coach this team in twenty twenty four. So to me, in in his mind, what would maybe give the best chance to win? To me, it's the guy with the more experience, and I think Baker Mayfield fits that bill right now. And our buddy G Vegas in the chat brings up a good point. He says, and with the perception of the NFC South being weak. I think at the very least, Todd Bowles has to have competitive divisional games. That's what you're looking for. I mean, not only are you going up against two incredibly young rosters in Atlanta and Carolina, and you would hope that best case scenario, (laughs) this sounds awful after where we were a year ago, but you would hope best case scenario, you can split the series with both of those teams, right? I mean, one would think that even though none of these teams are poised to be Super Bowl runaways, uh, it should be a competitive division in the NFC South. And if it's as weak as people say, then it should be no problem for Bulls in this defense to you step should, up. And you should be, be competitive. Able, you should be able to split with all three teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think you should be able to split with all three teams. That's three wins right there. Then you play teams like the Texans. You play teams like the Titans. You play teams like the Colts. Like, you're playing some struggling teams or you know maybe like perceived to be struggling teams. And you can maybe take advantage of that. The Bears, who knows what they're going to be. The Packers now have Jordan Love. They might take a step back. There's opportunities there. But, yeah, like those divisional games are just huge. And you look at what the coaches did, the previous head coaches that were fired, like not not Bruce Arians, but like the Dirk Cutters and the Lovey Smiths and Greg Sianos. What's the big key? A lot of them didn't win their divisional games. And it's just it matters so much. And like two things that matter the most divisional games and basically December. Like when you're looking at Bucks head coaches, the head coaches that have gotten fired typically have brutal Decembers because the team just gives up and then it's, it's time to move on. So doubles needs to do both those things. One, he needs to have his team ready to go to be able to win at least, you know, half of the divisional games. If you sweep somebody great and you can go four and two, whatever. But you gotta, I think you gotta split with at least all of them. 
And then you have to be able to maybe not go undefeated in, in December, but you have to still be playing competitive football in December. I think that's two things that the Glazers are going to be keeping an eye on. And yet again, if you're looking at both quarterbacks, Baker probably gives you the best chance to accomplish both of those things. Uh, well, as far as week two of the preseason goes, sky-high expectations for quarterback Kyle Trask. Hopefully he can live up to them and uh, do some positive for his own namesake because as we talk, it is still an open quarterback competition. So he, he's got some time, but he's got to do a lot of good in that short period of time. So let's talk about the other side of the football as we start to wrap this thing up. We talked before about the battle at the nickel corner position with the absence of Sean Murphy bunting. There are some other guys looking to step up. Veteran D Delaney is involved. Josh Hayes is back there as well. And Christian is in who I believe are a couple of rookies. Hayes and, uh, and is it is in Eisen? Uh, Christian is I believe. Christian um, is so yeah. Isian is a uh, undrafted free agent out of Rutgers. And then what's interesting is Todd Bowles even said like, He's the current front runner for yep. the nickel job. So um looks like the the Bucks could have found their their answer there. Yeah. Uh, Todd Bowles had a lot of good things to say about Izzy and said, quote, he's tough, he's quick, he is a heady football player. I like the way that he flies around out there in pads. We know he can tackle and blitz. We know he's quick enough to cover. As he picks up the system, it'll be great to see what he does going forward. We really like the guy. And and the way that he's described there, he is a heady football player. If you've paid attention to how the Buccaneers have used their nickel safety over the last couple of years, it's going to take a heady football player to go in there and basically play up to the expectations of Todd Bowles because uh, they're going to have to be a dynamic player, I, I think, at least a little bit. So, you know, something like that coming from head coach Todd Bowles, not only is it a name, not a lot of people expect it just because, you know, D Delaney's still very much a veteran, but it's uh, it's some pretty high praise coming from the head ball coach. No, it, you know, it definitely is. And I don't think before camp, I don't think anybody really had their eye necessarily on a guy like Christian Isian to be uh, the starting nickel guy. I mean, I, I really didn't. He played a lot of safety at Rutgers. And, but they're, they're looking for answers right now, and they're, and they're taking a shot. So we'll see now. I, just because he's the front runner, that's the front runner. Right, that can change. And there's two more preseason games. Izian's going to play in both of those, and I guarantee you every single player that's in that competition for that spot is going to play in those games. So could it change? Absolutely, but it does speak volumes that the head coach is saying those things about that player, and it's clear that they really like him. So we'll have to wait and see how he does, uh, how he continues to perform. But so far, it's been so good, and um, I. I think it's like I said, just very telling that. I mean, he was going to come out after after the first preseason game, yeah, the first one, and say he's the front runner for the job. And to me, that that means you're doing something right. And Christian Isian right now is yeah the leader in the clubhouse, and we'll have to like I said, wait and see how he does. And there's going to be some growing pains with him as well. I'm sure it's an inexperienced player, and uh, I'm I'm curious to see how a lot of the Bucks' inexperienced players perform this season. Yeah, talking about inexperienced players and potential growth. Uh, what's going on with Zion McCollum? I, I know he was wrapped up in this conversation before the first preseason game and had an interception in that game, but also had a lot of bad things on tape as well. So now he kind of finds himself in a weird spot where he's going to have to fit in somewhere mm -hmm. in this defensive backfield. We're just not sure where yet. 
Uh, he's a guy that, you know, these joint team reps are going to be that much more important to him as well as he looks to have a big game on Saturday night. But Zon McCollum, what are your thoughts on him headed into the second game? Well, I think the Bucks have basically determined he's more of an outside guy. I don't know if they think he can be that successful inside, and maybe that's why you haven't heard his name much anymore, um, much involved with the, the nickel corner spot. I, I think they've just, from what they've seen and everything, I think they've made the determination that his best spot's probably on the on the perimeter um, and, and not inside. And, and I mean, inside, it's tough. It, it's, a, it's a different, it's the same position, but it's different you know you're going up against a different type of player there's going to be more space you're going to be going over the middle of the field a lot more um, and sometimes it's tougher and not all guys can be successful in that role so I think they have basically made that determination and if Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean go down I would assume Zion McCollum's probably the first one off the bench to replace one of those guys on the outside but uh, I do think he's going to be uh, he's going to be more of an outside guy I think if it's an absolute emergency, I think he can play inside, but I, I think they would prefer to keep him out there. One more thing I wanted to highlight before the game on Saturday. We know that the Jets, their defensive line is is probably a little bit better at rushing the passer than Pittsburgh was. Uh, so I'm curious where the state of this offensive line is because I think a lot of people were let down as far as where we think this O-line is after that first preseason game. You know, they, they came out while Baker was out there. They looked okay. And I think a lot of people were pleasantly surprised. And then you started to see the lack of consistency uh, as they fell apart in the second, third, and the fourth quarter. Now, I don't know how many starters the Jets are going to have out there. It is the second game for everybody, so load management is very real. But I have to believe they're going to put up more of a challenge than Pittsburgh did just based off of sheer talent especially if you're playing the starters. Uh, so for a guy like Luke Gedeke, if he rolls out there as your starter at right tackle again, he's probably going to be the most watched man in the building, uh, aside from <laughs> Kyle Trask on that on that first drive for the Bucks. Yeah, he's. Uh, we mentioned it last episode. Like he's got to bounce back. Like you don't have to be perfect, but you just you got to be better. And um, yeah, he, he wasn't very good. And hopefully he can, like I said. He can bounce back from the same with Cody Malk. I mean, he wasn't as bad as Gedeke, I don't think. But, um, I mean, two penalties, he's definitely going to want to clean them up. And, I, you know, I don't think the Bucks have – the Bucks definitely haven't given up on Gedeke. Uh, I, I haven't either. I mean, I think it's just, it's one game. But, like, it wasn't a great first a, impression. One game at a new position. And right, it's, you right, know, it, but, it's not like going from right guard to left guard or vice versa. I mean, you're going right. from interior to you're a starting tackle. And 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 while he did play that at college, it was at Central Michigan. Like it's a little bit different than playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just a, a little <laughs> bit different. So, uh, you know, I don't think they're in any rush to replace him. I know the fans are going to be frustrated with him. I, I just I don't think they're in any sort of rush to do so. So I. He's going to be your starting right tackle for the foreseeable future. Obviously, I'm not saying it's going to be years, but at least this coming season, unless there's an injury or he is just like literally one of the worst offensive linemen in the league, I, I don't see a way he's going to be he's going to be replaced. So I think fans just you know, don't want to be harsh, but like kind of just got to deal with it, honestly. And, and just you got to deal with the growing pains and hope that he can overcome them and become a solid starter. Your breath. I mean, he, he very well could be the worst lineman in the NFL this upcoming season. We don't know. Well, we'll find out when the rubber meets the road. But, uh, you know, I have not given up on him yet. 
I think he can show some sign of improvement from his rookie season because, let's face it, that was a rough rookie season. Uh, so he's got to be at least a little bit better, one would think. But if he's not, it, it could be uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, one of the most least fondly remembered tenors in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history for an alignment. I just I feel like if he sucks ass this season. And like, I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Like, if you suck at both guard and tackle, then I don't know if you have a spot on this team. But I don't know. I'm center. Not the I don't think <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, they, we're they, they, they might need a center. center <laughs> so you never know, man. Uh, before we go, we do just have an update. Uh, this just dropped from pewterreport.com. It is a potential update on the Russell Gage injury. Uh, during Wednesday's joint practice between the Bucks and the Jets, wide receiver Russell Gage was injured after a non-contact injury. Based on the initial reactions from both him and the players kneeling down, it did not appear to look good at first glance. Further reports have confirmed the severity of his injury as he left the field in tears. Uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN said, Source, Bucks wide receiver Russell Gage will miss the 2023 season with a knee injury suffered today versus the Jets. That sucks. Um, it really does yeah. suck. So obviously we send out our best to box wide receiver, Russell Gage, just a, just an awful break. Uh, you know, we said it at the beginning of the show and I hate to ruin things on damper here, but just a guy that we're always going to talk about. Uh, in my opinion, I think we're going to talk about the untapped potential uh, of what could have, what could have happened, what kind of player he could have been if he could have just stayed healthy. And unfortunately mm-hmm. it happens to a lot of players and Russell Gage, the latest for it to happen to. But um, now we get to see who steps up. Devin Tompkins, Trey Palmer, uh, Dave Moore still very much in the conversation. It's going to be interesting. It'll be a fun game on Saturday night. Kyle Trask hoping to uh, do some work with those red-hot wide receivers. And, of course, we'll keep you updated on any position battles along the way. The next time we talk to you guys, it'll be this weekend. Maybe it'll be Saturday night. More than likely, it'll be Sunday, I think. Uh, but, yeah, that's the show. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's game preview episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Uh, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram, Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Anything for this week? Yeah, I, th- I, th- well, I think I'm going to be taking a look at maybe some potential replacements for Russell Gage if the Bucks do decide to free up some cast space and go the veteran route. So be on the lookout for that. And then also my players to watch will be out before sometime before the game on Saturday. So Good stuff. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T, A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Shout out to the live chat over on YouTube today. Willie Beam and the moderator, G Vegas, Adam Davies from Bucks UK. Thank you guys for holding it down. Family First, Sal319, Dan Gugino, G Vegas, Frank G, Christopher Cole, Gary Buff, and anyone else that I may have missed. We truly appreciate your support and uh, look forward to giving you guys some more Bucks news the next time we talk to you. I'm your host, Rip Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.